0: Hello, and welcome to an exclusive Law & Sport podcast. We've got a treat for you today, an exclusive interview by Sean Quattral, Law & Sport's founder, with two of Hollywood's biggest producers, Frank Marshall and Matt Tolmach, to discuss what is probably the biggest scandal to hit sport in recent times, the Lance Armstrong story. Frank Marshall and Matt Tolmach are, between them, responsible for producing some of the biggest films in modern times. Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Jason Bourne, The Amazing Spider-Man. Their latest work is called The Armstrong Lie, a documentary of a character as compelling as any fictional counterpart. The story of the making of the film is incredible itself. Starting life in 2009 to document Armstrong's return to the Tour de France, filming was interrupted mid-production by Lance's confession to the team that he had been doping. With the premise of the film obsolete, Lance asked if the film could be used to break the story, but the timing he meant he had chose to appear on Oprah Winfrey first. Post-Oprah, the team ran with the revelations, secured their own exclusive interview with Lance, and pivoted to document the darker side of the man and the sport. Now Frank and Matt tell Sean what it was like spending time with Lance, give their inside take on the story and reflect on its wider implications for sport.
1: Over to Sean. I've had the privilege of watching the documentary. Fascinating, captivating. I'm not sure about what it was like for you guys filming it, you know, producing, but it brought up more questions than delivered answers, I think. One of the first points that sort of really struck a chord with me was that at the beginning, Lance says, we do not know the truth yet. And I wondered, what do you think he means by this?
2: It's an interesting question, Sean. It seems that Lance's uh, answers come out in drips and drabs, kind of, in my opinion, depending on how he thinks he can shape his own story. I think there are probably a lot of other people involved in this, as we know that that period of of cycling was very dirty. It just didn't happen. Lance didn't go to the drugstore and and buy EPO or any of these PEDs. Uh, So there are a lot of other people involved. And certainly, I think one of his references when he says that in the documentary, he hadn't talked, he hadn't done his second interview, where he talked about the collusion of the UCI and and other outside governing bodies. So, I think there's still a lot, uh, a lot, not, not really big things to come out, but probably the details.
3: I, I think that's exactly right, Sean. Um what frank's saying you know when frank and i flew to austin when was that frank a year and a half ago yeah prior to the oprah interview and and that was the date and lance kind of quote unquote came clean with us his right away um part and parcel of his sort of admission about the doping was a certain air of Hey, you know if I'm going to tell the truth, you know if the truth's going to come out, then the whole truth's going to come out and 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 what he meant by that, and I think it's the same thing he's alluding to in the documentary is um uh, is what for anything you know that that it's 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 all too easy to to make me. You know the sole villain in this piece, but there's a bigger story here, and and I'm gonna and if 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 that story's gonna come out, then then all of it's gonna come out. If the story about me is gonna come out, then all of it's gonna come out. And 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 he's been pretty consistent about that all along.
2: Well, the, I I also think the interesting thing, Sean, is as you are there in London, there was this sort of flurry about a month ago of all of these revelations, uh, talking about Verbruggen and uh, backdated prescription, all that. All that's in the movie. Uh, you know, th- we had those stories way early, and so that's nothing new. He's not telling anything new there. Um, and and really, what we look at the the movie as sort of an anatomy of a lie. We're we're looking at how this all went down. You know, how could this possibly have gone on for what ten, twelve years? We're not in it to have these big. You know, it's it, it, it's not. The, the revelations are not coming, going to come out of the movie, but it's an examination of how this all was possible.
1: I totally agree with you there. That you know, when I was watching, it, I was thinking, you know, and I knew this. I used to watch the Tour de France when I was a kid. Uh, you know, even then, you know, we knew the problems that were in cycling. It was apparent to everyone, but people wanted a hero. They found a hero. So why do you think that people were so willing to to ignore the signs? You know, when you looked at performance levels and how much power output they were putting. In your opinions, why would you say that that? Well, I think
3: that's the. That that that's the power of this story, and I, I think that that's you know it's a, it's a we we've, we've said it all along, and both Frank and I <laughs> felt it and sort of lived it. You know, this was the greatest story in the world. You know, and 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 all of us we live in a culture where where storytelling and advertising and 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 just in everyday life is 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 a, is just a big part of what we do, and 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 I think. There's also a part of us that that wants to believe, you know, that it's possible that, that greatness and miracles, as Lance said, uh, after you know, sort of arrogantly after he won the tour in '05, that those things are possible, and I think you know, it was it was intoxicating. You know, I know, you know, just speaking personally that you know when i first started to hear i read you know the book uh the sally jenkins book and I, I started to hear more and more about lance armstrong sort of around the time everybody did and there was this mythic story of a man you know overcoming cancer and from a poor background with no father you know flying to a foreign country and and sort of putting a smack down on a on a on another sport in a, in a in a far off land it was it was too good to be true but but we love those stories and so i think even in the face of – it was certainly the evidence was less damning, but, but, but it was always there, that noise. I felt, Frank felt, we felt like we want to believe. We want to believe you know, in that stuff. I mean it's like it's what we do all day long. I mean we, we make movies. We tell stories. And I remember feeling like, yeah, I don't want to be one of the cynics. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to lean into this, and 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 the the complicating factor in in the story has always been that he was also, you know, we spent time with him at Children's Hospital, and and there, it, it, it's not a, you know, a, a simple story of good versus evil, and and so there was there was a whole other element to it that allowed you to su- sort of suspend disbelief, even in the face of, of evidence. You just didn't want to hear it. You wanted to be somebody who believed, and, and, and I think that's true for a lot of people, and I think what happened is when, when the truth really did come out, um, people were angry because people felt really duped personally. You know that they were they were roped into something against their better judgment, and they're angry about it. And, and, but but I think that's why we all allowed ourselves to go down the road.
2: Well, and I think that that's true of of you know the general public now that they want to be, believe these these uh, broad you know myths or stories, and and they don't want to be fooled. And and that's how you know sort of the whole lie was kind of hiding in plain sight. And that's People like to say it's right or wrong or it's a black hat or a white hat, but it's really gray in, the, in this case, you know, because as Matt said, we saw Lance have real affection and concern for the people that had gone through cancer like he did. You know, and he did a lot of good for people for a long time, but it kind of doesn't balance out the other stuff he did. But yeah. it really makes the complicated story.
1: What do you think the risk is of... Us sports fans, the general public, falling for this again. Of our need to find a hero in sport, to find a compelling story. What do you think this Lance Armstrong affair has? Has have we learned anything from it? Are we still at risk of being duped again?
2: Well, I think I think people are 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 going to be much more skeptical of these incredible accomplishments. I I hate to say that, but I think that's what's happening. But I also believe that it's naive to say that. Nobody in Sochi is, you know, has a drug program. You know, I don't think it's ever going to be clean, and people are always out to win at all costs and to go, you know, for the glory and and the money and everything that's out there. So it's human nature. So I think but people are going to be much more diligent about accepting, uh, you know, some incredible stories.
3: I, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but there was a, there was a piece that ran last night on CNN, and maybe it's been out there for a while. So forgive me. It was the first I heard of it uh, about this guy who had he was claiming he was a castaway at sea for a year.
2: Oh yeah. Did I you hear this? Get off the boat.
3: Yeah, it's really fascinating, and and there is immediately a tremendous amount of backlash and cynicism about whether or not he actually because he's he's heavy set. And people are like, well, wait a minute. He got off the boat after a year of eating turtles and you know and fish when he when he could catch them. And how did he catch them? The life of pie wasn't real. And and you know, it's I I felt it, it's funny you're asking because I was sitting around watching it with my family and I immediately thought this is the, this is the other side. Now this is this is culturally the result of being um, fooled. I think over and over again is that immediately when something like this happens. And by the way. He, it may be that he's a fraud. It may be that it's real. I have no idea. But immediately, everybody jumps to um, the sort of the cynical take on these stories, and I and I, I do think that's going to be the legacy of not just Lance, but a lot of athletes and a lot of the a lot of it, the the truth that has been revealed. And and honestly, I think that's good and bad. I think it it's gonna it's gonna hold people to a much higher standard. You know, go out and sort of actively deceive people. On the other hand, it's, you know, there's a part of me that thinks it's kind of a drag, you know, that, uh, that that you know, you don't get to believe in anything anymore. So, so I think it's a mixed bag. But uh, I, in the end, you know, Frank and I are big believers in, you know, in fair play and, and, and truth in sports. So, you know, that that's a great outcome. I just think um, as a society, we're learning day by day to be more skeptical.
1: I asked some of our advisory board and editorial board, they're sports lawyers, they're in the they're in the profession uh, a lot of them had their hearts broke by the, the revelations from Lance they really, like much like yourselves and, and, and myself, you know, you, you wanted to believe the story. One of the questions that they asked was What is it like, you know, they're really interested to know what it was like inside and outside of the, the Armstrong
3: bubble as such Well Frank was in it the longest of, of all of us, so you, Frank do you want to start? And then as we can... you would
2: expect it was fantastic, it was um, You know, I, I'm still a, I still have a tremendous appreciation for Lance's talent on the bike. You know, he still beat everybody for seven tours in a row. And, and being there to see that, it, it, it's, you know, there's a lot more that goes into winning those races than than doping. And to see him at the end and to be a part of that. Was uh, was extraordinary on the sports front, and, and to see all those athletes riding every day was was pretty amazing. And and of course, you know, being being on uh, on the bus was was great. I mean, it was exciting and illuminating, and uh, um, you know, definitely uh, something I'll always remember. But then, you know, when that moment came that that Matt and I sat in Lance's library back in October of 2012 it was devastating and one of uh, it was the, the pro- possibly the worst sports moment i've ever had so yeah. you know being on on the inside it was a crushing blow because i was sort of the last to cave in our group and you know i, I just felt horrible it was a horrible feeling it was letting everybody down uh, including the people that we were making the movie for, you know, not only on a personal but a professional level.
1: Did you see a change in him before the confession? And secondly, knowing what you when you did find out, you said it was a crushing blow. Did you feel part of his sort of PR machine?
3: Well, you know, that's oh, a, yeah. the the second part of that is a really interesting question. Uh, let me just the the change in him. Um, I would say definitively no. Um, I, I don't. I, you know, I, I think even you know if you saw the Oprah interview, even even when he made the confession, there's he was still you know when, I, I think in life for the most part you know all of us are who we are, <laughs> you know we're we're in in whatever the circumstance is and you know Lance even in the middle of the Oprah interview was was fighting, um, it was you, you sort of got the, the the feeling that he was sort of reluctantly you know, confessing, and, and and that's very consistent with sort of who he always was, you know, that he he was always driving the story. He was always winning. He was always in control. Um, and so, you know, right up until the night we sat in that library, I mean, he, he was, it was all about, you know, his defense and how many people wronged him and, you know, what the court case was going to be. And, you know, it wasn't about, you, you didn't, you didn't sense, you know, that this man was having a, a reckoning with his soul. At least we didn't. Um, But we, you know, we weren't we weren't there with him every day. Um, The uh, the PR thing is really fascinating because when he so when we went down to Austin that October, um, you know, I think many much of what Lance does, he does for 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 a reason. You know, I think he's very methodical um, in in sort of how he lives his life and and strategic and a big part of the reason or probably all of it, Frank, I would say that, that he Came clean with us that night was because he was exploring uh, the possibility of coming clean, you know, to the public in our movie, and and wanted to explore with us whether we would be um, open to and the proper vehicle for that happening, and 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 a lot of it had to do with timing, and of course you know enough about you know or or maybe you do about the filmmaking process if filmmaking is not like a live interview you 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 or even a taped interview and it takes months and months and months to you know to to, to, to conclude to wrap up a movie and to release it and all of that and so the a big part of the conversation was well i'm going to come clean about what i've been doing how can we do that in the movie when would it come out how quickly could you do it and when it became clear that the timeline for for that wasn't quick enough, just by virtue of the the movie making process, he then made a deal with Oprah. But but so absolutely, we he saw us as potentially part of the PR machine, um, and 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 that was the reason that was the reason he did it. And look, that it never would have. I don't think it ever would have worked out for him because you know Alex Gibney isn't that kind of a filmmaker and I think Alex Gibney would have pressed him in a way that probably would not have um made him comfortable um so uh but but yeah I think he saw us as, as as guys who he had 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 in the bubble for a long time and guys who, you know, were likely still there.
1: So let me just sort of paint the picture then. So he sat you down and said, guys, can you come to, come to my library? And he says, you know, I'm, I'm coming clean. This is what I've done. Does he then immediately go into, look, guys, can you help me market this to help me sort of with the damage limitation? Is that how it worked? And what did, again, what did that make you feel like?
2: No, it was really more of, her, first of all, the movie, the original movie that we made was pretty much finished. We had put it on the shelf, which was the story of The Comeback, the third place in 2009. And so his first question is, well, what's happening with the movie? And we said, nothing. You know, obviously, we're, you know, our movie doesn't work now. And so both Matt and I, being filmmakers as well, and also feeling, you know, betrayed by this whole year of him talking to us and lying right into the camera, you know we were we were pretty upset and he said well what are you going to do with the movie and our comeback was well if you'll tell us what to the camera what you just told us in this room maybe we have a chance at recutting having a movie cuz we didn't have a movie yet we said we don't know we have to go explore this and we the next day we flew to new york met with alex and then the three of us went to sony classics and pitched this new movie so when he went to Oprah without telling us, you know, we got screwed again.
1: That must have been tough to take. That would, you know, on top of everything else, especially as you're a big cycling fan, aren't you? So, you know, already the damage he's done to your sport. And, and then to do that, you know, how did you broach that relationship afterwards?
3: We didn't really. We, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be to be really honest oh, with you, was- uh, there
2: yeah. it's cordial good I, I thought
1: I thought you were better 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 people than myself but because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to there hasn't
3: been a lot of, um, of hanging out since then
1: I can't imagine why so do you think you know we talked about this you know the damage that he's done to the sport before you know the damage he's done to you guys you know since I know you you got your film now but you know he's damaged a lot of people do you think there was ever sort of a realization that he's thought oh, I have hurt a lot of people. I've created mistrust in sport, and I've done damage to sport, and I've also betrayed the, the, the cancer victims and the people yeah. that he was supporting, you know, and the charitable work. Do you think there was ever a sort of a cold moment of realization that that's what he'd done?
2: Oh,
3: God. You know, I think, to a certain degree, yes. I I think um, I know, you know, enough people who are still in touch with him and you know, and you hear and you see his, you know, what he's doing and traveling around the world. And, 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 and I think, you know, through it all, and Frank and I agree on this, you know, that as, as, as bad as the lie was and the sense of betrayal, and it's bad. um, I think we've been pretty consistent about how we feel about it. Um, You know, the, what, what he did with Liv Strong and the the legacy of that it was something that he took very personally, and and I think obviously, and and I think losing touch with that and seeing um, how you know how 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 much it it it, it hurt um, that effort and so many of those people who you know who really believed in him, I think is probably the thing that weighs on him the most. The rest of it is a little gray and a little bit, well, they were all doing it, and I was doing this and that. But the real impact of, of being removed from Live Strong, I think, is something that probably haunts him and that he, he regrets more than anything. That's, that's my hunch, Frank. I, I don't know how you...
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, it's been very hard for him to reckon with his failing off the bike. But I think he's starting to understand how he... Hurt people and how he disappointed and even betrayed people who so believed in him. I think he was surprised at first how how big it was. He hadn't realized how big the lie had become. Yeah. And I do think he's you know it's just difficult for him. He he he's, he has this killer competitive side to him, that drive that that will to win, which is what you know we were interested in in the first movie. His
1: well. so so would you then still consider him? This is this is a, a difficult question. So you know, feel free not to answer. Do you think he's still a winner? A winner? Yeah, in the broader sense. You know, is he still, you know, with everything that's gone on? And I know Frank, you said that.
3: Like, you know, do you mean a winner literally, like in the should he get the jerseys, or is he a winner in life? What do you, what do you mean by that?
1: Uh, a bit of. <sighs> I think a natural, I think we were talking about a natural-born winner. You know, is he someone who, you know, I guess he does come through on the bike. You know, the other people were doping at the same time, which is the counter-argument. You know, he did achieve a lot with. you know, as a whole, I guess, or taking it away from your opinion. Do you think other people would view him still as a winner?
2: I don't think it's white or black, you know, yeah. you know gray area. It, it's, you know, yes, he achieved a lot on the bike, but he he had huge, you know, failings off the bike. So you know he's not winning in life right now.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say I think I think very definitely he's suffering. Yeah. yeah, I I think the win for him because I think this all of this you know the the revelations last year. I think the not winning category is now solidly outweighing the winning category. I mean I think that if you if you poll people around the world, they would say no. You know yeah. I think the win for him if there is one out there still um, is not in returning to sports glory or anything like that. I think it's truth. I think it's just, you know, that that that's what people want, you know? And, 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 and I think that if there's, and that's just my opinion and, and if, if not, believe me, he's not asking me, but if he was, I would say, that um, that's that's the that's the win that's left out there is 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 to really really come clean entirely um, without you know without agenda
2: without sort of trying to craft the answer you you want that moment where he feels there's no legal jeopardy for him and he could just yeah. sit down and build the beans and talk about it because as you see in the Oprah interview and even in ours you can see him thinking about the answer before he does it or gives it. And you just want him to spill the beans to what happened, and what you know, without any reservations or about how he's going to guide the story. And I do think part of it is there are probably, as Frankie says in the movie, a lot of people that he's going to throw under the bus. And, you know, that, you know, there's loyalty, you know, it's this very complicated question of loyalty and friendships and and then legal jeopardy. And then if he could just say everything, and we would believe, you know, feel that it's the truth, as Matt says, that would be it for him. He could then move on. All of these guys from Hamilton to Landis, they all say they feel this tremendous weight lift lifted from their shoulders when they tell the truth, the whole truth.
3: You know, there's this there's this great moment in the movie um, that I really really love. And it was from the, the second, you know, the, the the latest interview that Alex did with Lance. <laughs> and Lance was recounting a, some interaction with Ferrari and how Ferrari had told him when to dope in the tour and, you know, the precautions that he needed to take and all of that stuff. And and he quickly realizes it was it was the year, it was either 99 or 2000, it was the year that he beat Pentani on How to Camp. And he... He quickly realizes in the middle of, of, of the interview with Alex, and, and it's like it happened in real time in that interview, that he'd already won the tour before he he dosed. And and he had this moment where he sort of looks up to the heavens, and he's like, I'd already won the tour. And I'm, I'm taken by the moment because there are very few of these moments where, Lance, where you feel like you get the really – sort of nakedly honest, vulnerable person because, you know, over the years he was so careful and cautious and measured like a politician in in the way he answered questions. And now we know why. I mean, he was always very carefully protecting um, his story legally. But when he lets his guard down, it's kind of amazing. And I think that would be, you know, if, if there was a lot more of that, a lot more of like, you know what, I sort of – consequences be damned. I'm just going to tell you what happened and, and let it be a, you know, a, a cautionary tale uh, and let it, let it shed light and let it illuminate and let it be the building blocks for, for a new beginning. I, that's a win. That's a win in the world, uh, I think, uh, or at least the beginning of one.
1: Guys, that was, that was a great answer to what was a, a terrible question. That, that was, a, you say that was a, good that, that was a, a very good answer indeed fascinating it really is even to this day i just find it such an en- he's such an engaging character because of the, the 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 scale of it and you know and i and now recounting watching the documentary you know i remember sitting there and and, and you're right at that moment you know i did think ah oh, this is it this is the real guy you know right now That's right. yeah this is That's what i'm So you can see him he sort of, i think if i remember right he sort of smiles a little bit you know he just sort of like yeah you know, oh, ah exactly. what, what was i doing um so do you think he's ever going to do you think you could ever see him being involved in a sort of, as an activist in favor of clean sport? Or Do you think that's too difficult? What do you think,
2: Frank? Well, I don't know. I think he has to come clean first. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah exactly. You know, nobody's
2: gonna. Nobody trust him is the problem. You know, you've got, you know, you've got him accusing Verbruggen. You've got a, for Verbruggen for denying everything. I mean, nobody agrees on anything here. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I think it's kind of fascinating. Uh, in our movie, because we, as you see in the movie, we were perceived as the Lance Puff piece by all of the Lance haters. And, you know, they started coming around when they realized that Alex really wanted to tell the truth. You know, people like Betsy and Votters and and other people we talked to, but some never came around, like Travis Tigert, who was, you know, the guy that brought him down. He refused to talk to us. So there are still people out there <laughs> That you know don 't trust him or us um so i don 't know if he could be an advocate for cleaning up the sport
1: It' be interesting with the cook with the cook sorry to interrupt it'd be interesting with the Cookson inquiry to see you know you know what falls out from that, and then looking back on your documentary to see what is consistent with what 's been disclosed in that documentary
3: yeah yeah well you know it was it was interesting for it was interesting for us you know when <laughs> after the documentary opened and then a lot of the conversation in the cycling news around and I'm sure you you read it quicker than I do, but I read all of it and as it's Frank, a lot of it seemed to be drafting off of revelations from our movie. You know, and we sort of sat back, Frank and I was like, Well wait, we said that. We said that thing about Verbrook and we said that thing, you know, it was a very surreal Process and and it, it made us wonder even if Lance hadn't seen the movie, although I think he maintains he is not. But um, a lot of of the conversation that 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 sort of it seemed to just spontaneously spark up, um, I, I'm sure, grew out of, of of certain revelations and things in our movie. And and so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it goes back that way too, because the movie really does tap into a you know again if you look at the verbruggen thing if you look at all that there's it's just maybe it's just the beginning but there's a lot in there that looks like you know it it would be worthy of of further exploration
2: yeah and uh, i would love for alex gibney to be able to sit down with travis tiger and ask him the question
1: that would be really good i would i would I would welcome that as well i think
3: i think i think i
2: wouldn't Yeah, because we'd all like to know about 2009. You know, we were not able to get the the data that they presented in the reasoned decision. That's right. Um, Which, you know, maybe it's there, but it it becomes suspect when they won't give it to you.
1: Well, I'm sure, or I know he has, Travis has got a very interesting story himself on the, you know, as a victim of the hate campaign and everything else against him. So, you know, know, I think you're right, it closes the, the sort of circle. One of the things I think that just struck me, and I remember writing this, I was writing notes as I, as I watched to make sure I prepared, it was the relationship between Ferrari and the, and and the, and the scientists to get the information on on what the latest tests were, whether or not that was done in uh, with the with the knowledge that he was obviously um, involved in doping. But I mean, it's something I hadn't given much consideration to. But from watching the documentary, it was something that did make that was alarming. Actually, how easy it was for him to get hold of that information. Yeah. well,
2: it's, again, it it's, it's It's human nature, Sean. There's much more money in beating the system than in trying to catch Mm. the system. Yeah. You know, so all of these guys are out there trying to beat it because there's money in it. And, and, you know, so trying to develop the foolproof test, the, you know, Lance is now on this huge campaign about we've got to have a test for blood doping so he can prove himself innocent in 2009. I, I don't know. You know, will that ever happen? I doubt it. I don't know.
1: And so, what, what would you say then is the role of sponsors within this? What, what role do you, would you see, like maybe not necessarily with Lance, but going forward, that the role that sponsors do you think should take in in this?
3: Well, you know, I read something really interesting recently because the the truth is, and you know, as a, as a Sometimes cyclist and an enormous fan. I you know, I, I watch every year with bated breath as you know the sponsors head for the hills and you know and 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 everybody scrambles to figure out if they have a job and and all of that and and, and the system is built so poorly, um and and so so absolutely favors, you know the sort of whatever it takes to win mentality because, it's survival, you know it, the the minute the sp- the sponsors roll up you know their tent people are out of work and so you know it's it's not a it's it's not such a leap of faith to to then you know to to get to the place that people are willing to do whatever they can to get the re- if it's purely about results in the short term you know if sponsors are are upping for one and two and three years then people are by definition going to do everything they can or, or at least almost everything they can to try to get results, and it doesn't mean that everybody is going to dope, but it brings that temptation, and I think that's it's different than the way certain you know uh, sports franchises are managed and, and owned, you know I, I think in in soccer and football and baseball where it's, it's not a company that needs good PR you know, in the short term, but it's a, it's a much longer term relationship. And so I, I think that this sort of sponsor based notion is, is flawed. I really do. I, because I also, you know, as somebody, you know, we're all in business. I understand that, you know, companies are signing up to sponsor teams. Like it's like billboards, you know, I mean, you, you buy a billboard because uh, where do you buy You buy the billboard that is on the corner of the most trafficked street. And and that's that's the essence of of sort of advertising, and advertising is what's driving the sport right now. I I think it's not a good idea. That's just me personally, Um, and I think it encourages temptation.
2: Uh, Yeah, I think one of the things that will come out of this is that these companies will take a pause before they, they throw millions of dollars behind a story that's just too good to be true. And an athlete that's just too good to be true because, you know, there are several big corporations that were really stung by this um, who also believed, you know, that that makes me feel a little better. (laughs) You know, there'll be a little more (laughs) vetting going on, I think.
1: (laughs) That's right. Uh, It's a good point you make because... Two things: one, not jumping in, you know, too quickly, taking that breath before coming to these agreements and doing their due diligence for sponsors is a is a very valid point. And secondly, there's also been—I'm not sure if you pick up on it over there—but match fixing and integrity issues in sport, in terms of so that, you know, if the if the in snooker being one of them, you know, if there's not enough money in the sport, if it's not being distributed down to the lower levels, then the guys in the sort of just below the top tier are going to be more inclined to accept bribes to fix games, for example or races or matches of some sort just to find the quickest way to get money. Because, you know, if they're not at the top of the chain, it's a bit like boxing, really boxing is my sport, one of my sports. And, um, you know, it's a flawed model in boxing for the, for, for, for similar reasons.
3: I, I That's why I think there's some version of a league, you know, that, that is, and, I, and again, i somebody was talking about this. One of the riders was, was advocating it. And I think it's a really good idea because, you know, if, you know, if the team that, you know, finishes last in the tour is still covered and yeah. protected and all of that, it, it, it makes for a, it just makes for a cleaner environment. And, and, and so I, I think it'd be good if the conversation went there eventually.
1: Yeah. I guess sponsors need to look at better ways to create value, a value proposition in within the sport to make it more longer term, as you said, sustainable, rather than just relying solely on, you know, whoever is the winner gets the most money. Um, that's right. And that's the only person we're going to market. Is there, so that, you know, you lead me on to my, my, my final question then, which is, what lessons should we should we what lessons do you think have been learned from this for sport as a whole and, and and you know going forward what would you like to see change if anything
2: well i I just think we have to be a little more realistic about putting um, these athletes on pedestals and that you know I think that we have to realize that there are consequences to the belief of winning at all costs and it's not the best thing um, and that I think we we you know hopefully we're looking at this in in you know what's happened to Lance and everybody else that's come out and admitted it um, you know certainly they were uh, not as much as Lance but everybody has suffered here and so, so I think we have to we have to be careful about what we're teaching our t- children um, you know, we see it at, in our you know Ten-year-old soccer leagues. Uh, I've had to go to parents and say, you know, it's not the World Cup. Let them have fun. Yeah. You know, and but you see this drive to not only on the monetary side, but get get your kid into college, into the best college, because they're on a volleyball scholarship. So maybe if we took a little creatine, that wouldn't hurt. You know, who know You know, all of this is bad for. For the ethical side and for the sports side, so hopefully people will think a little more before they um, tamper with, you know, with their kids and 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 with their bodies. That's the other thing. Who knows what damage this is all doing to your body? So yeah, Um yeah. the winning at all cost thing is a real problem. I I think, and hopefully this will illuminate it a bit.
3: And you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I I would I would say not only do I agree with it, I think. It's it's not just about it's not just about the kids who are playing sports and their parents. It's also about those of us who are you know sitting at home watching ESPN. And and what is it that as a culture that we're really asking for? You know, because I I think it's a it's a it's a complicated dynamic um, that you know w- w- which comes first, the appetite for winning at all costs or winning at all costs? And I and I think we have to be honest about what you know in the media those of us who create media what what are what stories are we highlighting you know and and what what are we selling to people because it's a vicious circle and cycle and and you know if if all of the emphasis is on the guy who's fastest and the guy who's strongest and the guy who hits hardest and it's not about you know the nobility of the guy who finishes 100th in the peloton who's still by all accounts a rock star if you know anything about the sport um then we're gonna end up in the same place. And and so I think it's 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 a it's it's a it's a lesson for all of us who are on the couch and on the playing field, um, that we have to decide what you know, what what, what story we want to get behind. And sport some if we're being honest, a lot of what happens in sport is just a reflection of what we're you know, what we're what yep. we're asking for and what we're creating. And, that, and that's, the, that's the hard part to swallow is we can all go out and blame Lance Armstrong and blame all these people, but, but, uh, but we all played a role in creating this thing, this story.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's interesting. Um, the premier, the guy who's a responsible, guy called Jed Ruddy at the Premier League for um, developing youth youth development systems. Um, he mentioned back in the summer a conference we were at, and we were discussing sort of youth development. And he said that's one of the areas they're looking to bring back into uh, soccer training or football training is that you know, at a young age, these kids are the, basically the funds has been taken out of it. You know, and it's kind of they, they lose sight yeah, of right. what is the reality in life. You know, they don't—they've got no no other plans. You know, this is everything, and winning is everything. And they said they've realised that that's not 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 a good thing. Um, what's interesting from a media perspective, and you know, speaking to to you two guys who you know gurus in the space, I I find it fascinating from a construction or a hero construct perspective is, you know, if you watch the Olympic Games or if you watch the Paralympic Games, you know, people really start to get behind people who finish fourth, fifth, sixth, you know. If they just tried and they could they could enjoy that moment, they knew how difficult because they did such a great job over here. I'm not sure what the coverage is like in the States, but over here, they did such a great job about explaining the technical difficulty and physical, you know, and the, and the, the amount of uh, hard work and effort needs to go into to achieve that performance that people had an appreciation of the sport beyond winning. And I and that's I thought right. that was such that's a, you right. know people's journeys, even people who didn't win, their journeys became something, uh, you know, to be proud to be proud of and to to, to aspire to. And I think, I hope. Well, that's the thing. It's much. It's more
3: as, aspirational because mo- you know we're most of us are never going to win the Tour de France, but maybe you know maybe just to to get a shot to ride it or to you know I mean that's that's real. And if you make that something, you know we I, I worked when I was at Sony as an executive. I worked on a a movie that I love very dearly called. Talladega Nights, and it's a Will Ferrell movie, and and there's a whole, you know, the the characters whole, the 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 myth that he believes, you know, his father was a race car driver who left when he was a little boy, and the the, the thing that he that he grows up believing is that his father said to him when he was a little boy, you know, if you're not first, you're last, and so his whole life he lives this this crazy idea, where if you're not first, you're last, and and it's it, you know obviously. Comedically, forces him to, uh, to make all kinds of stupid decisions. And then he runs into his father. He finally, years later, runs into his father after his life has collapsed. And he says, but, Dad, you said, like, if you're not first, you're last. And his dad looks at me and goes, what are you talking about? I never said that. If you're not first, you're second, or you're, like, third, <laughs> or fifth. What are you talking about? And and he realized he made the whole thing up in his head and it, <laughs> and it, and it's it's an absurd way to go through life. And so Maybe everybody needs to go out and Tower Talladega
1: Nights. Uh, yeah, forget your documentary. <laughs> forget the Armstrong line. Yeah, exactly. This is about Talladega uh, damn it. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, uh, just to, uh, we'll wrap up now because I know you're both extremely busy guys and I appreciate your time. Uh, over here we have the Professional Players Federation and they held a conference. It was about the depression that the professional athletes, and we've seen it in boxing, you know, the, the coverage of Tyson, and Tyson's another sort of disaster story really. People, people wanted him to be this great guy and he, he never was going to, to, yeah. to be that. One of the factors came up is about how professional athletes perceive success and the fact is it's all driven towards this one goal which is as you both said rightly is is about winning for them and then once they haven't got that goal to aspire to they, they spiral into depression because they haven't got a perspective to frame it by. So I'd say that anyone who's an aspiring athlete, more broadly than just cycling fans or or sports lawyers or interested in sports law, I think should watch a documentary just to give them some perspective on what being successful in sport is about, really. And it's beyond just the the winning, isn't
2: it? Amen. I I agree, and I think it's kind of very topical on the eve of the Winter Olympics to remember what the Olympic motto is, which is something like uh, the most important thing is not the triumph but the struggle. And the essential thing is not to have conquered but to have fought well. It's you know, it's not whether you mm-hmm. win or lose, it's how you play the game and and to have fought well. So I think That's that, right. we have to get back to that Olympic belief, uh, which you so well pointed out at the London Games. Uh, having been there was spectacular uh, games and you know you certainly knew those stories of the people who who didn't win gold, silver, or bronze. That's right. But, you know, just to be there was fantastic.
1: I agree. Thank you both very much for your time. I know you're extremely busy. I really appreciate it. It was a great documentary. I thoroughly recommend people to go and watch it. And I hope for sports sake we can learn from this saga and uh, move forward.
3: Thank you. Thanks so much, Sean.